Episode 164, dated Friday the 16th of July, 2010, Legends of Zelda. Most of it comes from nostalgia for me. It was the first Zelda game I'd played. I have to admit, straight off, it was the first Zelda game I played. There's only one reason for that, and that was because it was the first Zelda I've played. I was completely, completely enthralled by the mechanics of the game. I hadn't really, up until then, I know it's hard to believe, but I hadn't, up until then, never completed a Zelda. I always hit an impasse with it, some section of the game I couldn't get past, and then I got distracted with something else, something that we're all very familiar with. They were barely ever necessary. You unlocked, like, one dungeon with them, but, you know, just being able to use them and basically kill all the enemies on the screen, they were just fun. It just was a fun experience to just get those, use those, wipe out enemies. It was just a fun thing. You come to this bridge in the game, and there's these monkeys guarding it, and it's the bridge is all broken. And if you have gone through the game, and you've basically got to a certain situation where someone has given you a banana, give the banana to the monkey, he'll, he'll build a bridge. And I also liked the ice rod for that reason, just freezing enemies with it. It, just, it was just a fun thing to do with that and it was really nice that it seemed like a weapon like that was put in the game just to have fun with it beings called the twilly um invade uh hyrule and they herald from the twilight realm and they're led by their king zant um a character called midna kind of takes the same role as navi in uh ocarina of time except she's not an annoying little piss weasel there's this one particular bit where they had this jug which could blow air out it's a very useful item but it could also blow and suck things and that sort of thing and one of the things it could blow away is cobwebs i remember i used to with ocarina of time i used to um go through for my sister my sister wanted to ride the horse but didn't want to actually play the game so i had to go through and do the first three dungeons she goes can you just get me to the bit with the horse yeah oh. sure brilliant more zelda um, and I'd get her there, and then after that she'd get bored. So, but it was worth it. In, it increased your health, or it lowered the cost of your magic spells. But the problem was, was that when you got more, more mag, when you got it up and you got a new magic spell, it would cost a lot more. So if you had leveled up all the way, it would basically cost against you, and that was still a very high level spell, and that was a problem. A lot of Zelda fans got really annoyed by him having his sword in his right hand rather his left hand. I don't know why that was a huge deal. I, I mean, I, I haven't played previous ones, so obviously having the sword in his left hand is a major story point that I clearly missed. But I would say that one of my most fun things to do in that game was to just power up the sword, hold it out, and to just charge into those little knights that had the swords with it and to just duel with them. That was always a really fun thing to do in Link to the Past. Man, I, I can't believe you guys never played this game. That drives me crazy. That's insane to me. I'm sold. I want to buy that thing. I want to you play need that to game play it. You need to play it. Guys, it's on the Wii. Download it, please. It is the best of the Zelda games. Please download it. I know, I'm gonna. I've always been told it's not that good. 
1986, The Legend of Zelda. Original Zelda is my favorite Zelda game. It may not be the best Zelda game ever made, but it's my favorite. It's my favorite for a lot of reasons. One,、uh, it is what started my love affair with video games.、Uh, I got an NES for Christmas when I was five, I think, and I got two games. I got the Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt game, obviously that everybody got, but then I got this golden. Plastic cartridge that was shiny and called to me as a small child, and that was the original Zelda. And I played the shit out of the original Zelda because you know in, it was one of the first games you could actually save anything in, which was great because there was no way you were going to play through that in a sitting. But that game triggered some impulse in me that compelled me to spend hours and hours burning every single tree on a screen and keeping. Books of elaborate graph paper maps for both quests, so it really triggered this expansive exploring mentality in me that I would carry on into lots of、um, role-playing games and larger exploration-type games for a long time. I mean, that game really crystallized what I guess early action—to call it action now sounds a little ridiculous—but. It really crystallized what early action gameplay could be, and taking elements from these broader RPG games, like the original Final Fantasy games, and bringing them, bringing some of those elements, like items and things like that, into a game that wasn't that deep and wasn't so much of a, you know, a dice roll based Dungeons and Dragons type of thing, into a game that was more of an、um, an action and adventure game that I think. As a kid, anyway, I related to a little better. I, I have to have played through this game, a minimum, at least the first quest all the way through. I've played completely at least eight times, maybe ten times over the course of my life. I love this game.、Um, from all of the varieties of enemies and landmarks to all the hidden stuff you could track down, you know, I mean, this set up a gameplay type that we take for granted now. The you know Zelda. Run through a dungeon, find a tool, use that tool to kill a boss mentality that didn't exist before the original Zelda. It had what, for the time, was a great soundtrack that got stuck in your head and still bounces around in my brain to this day. Graphics that are charmingly 8-bit, to say the least, and you know, a story that everybody could get behind. It had a story that was not very deep, not very fleshed out, but interesting enough to keep you going. Um, it was a little more than you got from things like Mario Brothers and、uh, stuff like that at that point. I mean, it was a real accomplishment to beat that game. It was difficult, and anybody who's wandered around the ninth dungeon in that game knows that unless you are either some sort of savant or kept really, really meticulous records, because this was before the dawn of the internet when we couldn't just look up facts or graphic maps that somebody had made for us,、um, figuring out which of those like eight. Different stairway passages, and that dungeon went where it was damn near impossible. So, I mean, a real sense of achievement. The expansiveness and openness of it was crazy for the time, and the fact that after you beat it, there was a whole second quest where the world was the same size, but everything was now in a different place, and you could randomly walk through dungeon walls and things.、Um, 
was nuts. It was there was a whole second game there that a lot of people probably never played, or if they did play, just messed with a little bit. But there was two entire Zelda-sized games in that one. 1987, Zelda 2: The Adventure of Link. followed, of course, by Zelda 2, which was very different and sort of an abomination to the Zelda name, which I'm sure someone will hate me for, but I don't care. Mostly because it, it didn't really feel like Zelda, for the most part. One thing I didn't like was the dungeons. I didn't like the layout of the dungeons, the way you had to go through them. It was so easy to get lost. Here's why Zelda 2 was different. Zelda 2 was a side-scroller. They tried to somehow breed Zelda and Metroid together and make some weird hybrid of the two. And I, I would talk more about it if I had played it recently or remembered a lot of it, and I don't. I mean, I played it back then because it said Zelda on it, and I was already hooked by that point. It was just this weird kind of abomination like, okay, people like this Zelda thing, but people like a lot of our other games. Let's see if we can jam some Metroid and some other... 2D side-scrolling type games in there and make this crazy super game that everyone will love. And uh, for my money, it didn't work. It was just this very disjointed feeling. Like, there was there was still an overworld map that you ran around on that was top-down, but then you would go into sections where you were side-scrolling and trying to fling knives at things, and it was very strange. And I didn't like it. It felt to me like it got away from a lot of the things that made the original Zelda great and really addicting and that expansive open worldness and exploring for all the little uh, secrets and um, hidden items and all that stuff. I don't know. It did not crystallize for me and it kind of set me away from my love of Zelda a little bit until Link to the Past came out and was also phenomenal. One of the things I like best about the Zelda series is the notion that there has been a different Link every generation, and living up to his name, the green-suited fairy boy is what binds all of these adventures together. Each is like a play with a Peter Pan-like hero, the ageless princess, the hissable villain, usually but not always Ganon, a handful of sages to dole out advice, bosses, mini-bosses and sub-bosses all waiting in the wings to reveal their weak spots, a magical and usually annoying guide who never knows when to shut up, various townspeople with side quests to give you, and the master sword just waiting to be plucked from its new resting place best of all is the character of hyrule a new zealand like mini pangea where mountains rivers volcanoes and forests are all within relatively short distance of one another this dreamlike world designed to fire off every adventure hungry synapse in our brain is why we keep coming back and i'm gonna try and explain my history of zelda within one minute first game was linked to the past and I recall it was bizarre that you played this hero that actually had to find his first weapon. Then I got to Dark World, thought, whoa, what the hell? And then it just got too hard and I gave up. Next up, Ocarina of Time. Amazing. Even today, still one of the best examples of how to close a game. Wind Waker. Refreshing visuals. But I hardly ever died. Amazing black and white part awful bit at the end where you have to go around for ages looking for 
stuff. Minish Cap on the Game Boy. So much more charm than Phantom Hourglass or Spirit Trucks on the DS. Twilight Princess, a mechanical improvement over Ocarina, but without the inventiveness. And as for Majora's Mask, not played it. I know, I know. This is the Triforce of Wisdom, Link. The evil wizard Ganon has the Triforce of Power. Whoever gets both Triforces will rule this land forever. You must help me, Link. Hey, for you, Zelda, anything. Nineteen ninety one. The Legend of Zelda, a link to the past. Well, I actually came to Zelda pretty late, and um, nine years after the series started. I never had a, an NES, and I got my uh, Super Nintendo in, I think it was early 1995. I'd, I'd never been quite sure about this Zelda game. I'd seen it on the shelves, obviously, in the shops, and a friend of mine was saying how good it was. But I remember the reviews back at the time in the British magazine weren't that sort of overboard. Uh, it has to be said, um, I think the first Zelda, because the NES was never a massive deal over here the first Zelda wasn't such a, a famous thing you know I, I knew about Robin Williams naming his first daughter after the character Zelda and things like that but um, then Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link um, which I've played since on, on the GameCube collection is is a very different game and, and not a, an entirely fun one but Link to the Past I remember getting a, I think like an 89% review in, in CMVG magazine and so I've been kind of like okay okay I've never really been into RPGs either my experience of them was mostly with the Western ones. Um, but one day I saw it for 20 quid. It came in a nice gold. Uh, this is a link to the past, of course, on the SNES uh, Zelda 3, if you will. Um, so in a nice shiny gold box um, in a, a store that we had at the time called Beatties. Um, it was uh, 20 pounds. I thought that's fair enough. Worth a gamble. Took it home and played nothing else for two weeks. It was just incredible. Absolutely uh super tight design that was that was the thing which really struck me as well as having an amazing soundtrack atmospheric sound effects uh, and indeed atmospheric rain effects at the start it just everything in the game and this is what I, I started to learn about Japanese game design but particularly Miyamoto's work and and his team there the, the the main Nintendo team was that nothing in there was spare nothing was wasted from growing up with Western games. There was often there were often sort of large sections which were just kind of in there and and didn't have any real purpose. But everything in Zelda, every puzzle, every nook, every cranny, every secret, every bombable wall, everything was in there for a purpose, for a reason, to make you feel good. And uh, the the logic puzzles, both of the individual dungeons, of which I think there were eight, and uh, and the actual the the amazing light dark world mechanic where you could flip the world and you would reappear on basically on the other side of this mode seven map was just genius I, I'd never played anything quite like it and uh, I guess that was probably my first JRPG although obviously the Zelda games don't share that many tropes with, with when you think of your, your square 
type JRPGs. So from then, uh, I went on to sort of pick up more and more games in the series, and today I've, I think I've played all of the, I think there are 13 or 14 now in the main series, and uh, I've played all of them. I've not completed every single one. I've not completed any of the three ones that Capcom did for the Game Boy Color and the Game Boy Advance. I've only completed one of the DS games. I completed the Phantom Hourglass, but I haven't been back to Spirit Tracks. And Eiji Oonma, uh, he took over from Miyamoto as, as director in 99 after Ocarina of Time, which was also a majestic entry in the series that was uh, Zelda 5 Ironma took over and made Majora's Mask using the same engine as Ocarina of Time I've never actually completed Majora's Mask because it's really melancholy it's really sad that's one of the interesting things about the Zelda games is that although mechanically they cover a lot of the same ground and that's actually proving to be a problem as the series goes on because they're trapped in that situation where if they if they change things too much that they're going to alienate the fans but the fact that they stick to the same basic premise of new dungeon, new item, item completes dungeon, item kills dungeon bosses. It's very difficult for them to break away from that. But stylistically, to go from Majora's Mask and then just two years later to the the wonderful cartoony world of The Wind Waker, which was, of course, famously greeted on the internet with gasps of horror at the time, but now is, I think, widely quite fondly remembered, apart from that infamous overly lengthy quest in the, the latter stages to, to sail across the sea and pick up all the shards of whatever it was. Then the Twilight Princess came along after uh, Four Swords, which was which was uh, great as well. Twilight Princess, I think, is often much maligned now, but I, I absolutely loved it. I played it on the GameCube. I didn't get the Wii version. And, uh, and yeah, it was a total retread. I think that's why people had a problem with it. But again, it, it very much had its own atmosphere. And for the time, visually, it was it was really splendid. But... I suppose it, sh- it should make me a little bit sad that although I've played so many Zeldas and, and enjoyed them all to some degree or other, some of them, like Ocarina, absolutely amazing. But I think Link to the Past is still is still my favourite of the series. It's it's just a perfect video game. And it's 15 years now since I've played it properly. I've, I've popped back to it now and again for a burst of nostalgia. I've got it on Virtual Console, of course. I, I eBayed my cartridge, complete with unopened, sealed tips book, some years back, and, and got a decent price for it. But Link to the Past, yeah, I just think it's it's pretty much a perfect video game, and, and it kind of typifies everything that was good about that era of Nintendo and in the uh, the early Super Nintendo days. refreshing just amazing i enjoyed so much of it you know every moment that i played it it just felt like an experience i just had a lot of fun playing it i would go through it and i would enjoy the experience the whole time going through it it's made me really want to relive that experience playing through future zelda games i've had fun playing them but it's never quite had the same feel as link to the past Technically, it's not the best. Graphically, it's not the best. There's game mechanics in there which, you know, are quite dated and they don't work right now. But Zelda isn't about that. Zelda is about Link, you know, the little boy who finds a sword and shield and and goes off to rescue the princess and, and save the day. And the way that Nintendo deliver this 
and they this is how they do it every time it's why the story doesn't change it's why they keep the same mechanics it's because young and old you know you can you can understand the premise it's just you saving the day link he comes to town he comes to save the princess zelda it's it's beautiful in in its simplicity and it just works so well i i i can i could say you know you probably on your show you've got people are saying ocarina's the best you've got people saying phantom hourglass is the best but for me it's subjective it's to whatever zelda you played first if you really got and you played it and you understood zelda then that first one you played will be your favorite No, it wasn't my first one. My first one was the first Zelda game, The Legend of Zelda on the NES. I had played that first, and then I played Zelda 2, and that one I just flat out didn't like. And then this one just felt like a shiny, colorful, huge improvement over the first one. It's got the best controls. It just feels really easy to to move and attack and handle are you a um, a fan of the old, the later games in the series? Oh yeah, I, I like the later games in the series. They're they're a lot of fun, but I would still have to say that I had the most fun playing Link to the Past, and I've gone back and I've replayed it to verify that. And yeah, I'd still say that Link to the Past is still my favorite game. Uh, I I really feel like they pretty much cast the mold for what all subsequent Zelda games became after A Link to the Past. One of the reasons that it's my favorite, this is an odd sort of circuitous connection, but it comes back to Mario 64. And when I got the Nintendo 64 and Mario 64 was clearly a Mario game. It was within that universe. It it followed all the basic tenets of a Mario game, but it turned it all so differently and, uh, you know, it was a whole new presentation of a Mario game. And I had a similar expectation when the Zelda game arrived for the N64. And I got it and was sorely disappointed because I felt like all they had really done was taken a link to the past and tilted the camera down so that you were down at, Z- at Link's level. And, you know, the rest of the game really just felt like a rehash of a link to the past to me. And a lot of them since that time have had a similar feeling for me. 1993. The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening, the only game when you can take a chomp. A walk. I remember the first time I played a Zelda game, and it was when um, I was quite late to the whole gaming scene, really, um, compared to most of the people you've probably spoken to. But um, I played, I can't remember if it was, I think it was A Link to the Past. Was that the one that came out with the Game Boy Color, or was it Link's Awakening? Link's Awakening uh, was on the Game Boy Color, the DX version, which was right. like a recolored one. Yeah, so it was that one. So I played Link's Awakening um, from start to finish. Uh, in the space of about uh, two days, three days, I just sat there because I got um, a, a Game Boy Color for Christmas, and um, it was one of the only games I got with it. Um, 
and I I got completely hooked. I loved everything about it. Um, I loved the exploring, the the, the temples. Uh, the temples, for some reason, had this effect on me where it, they sort of just stayed with me like a character each temple kind of felt like a character as opposed to like a level um which was like really new to me so i sort of embraced it a lot more um because the characters were not only the characters in the game but also the levels and 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 where you're exploring um and i thought it was wonderful i think it's set just after links link to the past in the storyline so he's basically uh traveling across the sea and ends up being shipwrecked on this mystical island uh, but the good thing about this game was that you bump into new characters uh, and you're on a, this, this new island and it's a completely different storyline, basically. So it isn't the same old w- walk around in the countryside, meet the woodland people, figure out about this mythical sword, go after so many bad guys. Uh, the same thing is, really, you're on an island <laughs> this time. Um uh, You've got to go through eight dungeons, I believe, and find eight specific things to lead to the final boss or area to complete the game. Um, you start walking up the road and you come across this mystical owl that sets up the uh, story for you and he explains the, the story about this mystical windfish, which is asleep. I believe it's in an egg. The, the cool thing was, was every time you beat a boss, you got like a new musical instrument um, and he would collect this thing and it would just play a little tune and you'd be like oh cool okay and of course when it when they all came together at the end it played the full tune so I think if I believe correctly you might have got maybe a violin or a guitar uh, but the most important one was getting an ocarina the the cool thing about this was that basically you got the ocarina and you had to learn uh, new tunes I think this was the first Zelda game to encompass that and of course you always associate the ocarina with the N64 title a few years later. I can't remember the other items, to be honest. I think there was a drum, a little tin drum as well. You'd pick up an item, you're given an item by somebody, I think it was, uh, you started with a letter, and on the letter it gave you a vague clue on who to give this letter to. Once you gave that letter to somebody, they'd say, oh, thank you for giving me this letter, I'll give you this other object to say thank you. And basically this would, I think it would be like a, uh, an, an old boot, maybe. And you'd eventually, throughout the game, as it went, went along, you would be able to just give that boot to somebody else and you'd go, oh, thanks. And basically it would come in and out of the game all of every, every few hours or so. You just come across this person and say, oh look, you've got this. If I believe uh, correctly, um, they originally wanted to make a pretty much a port of The Link to the Past on the Game Boy. So it started off as an experiment um, from what I've read and researched. So uh, after the experiment went well, they thought, well, we could make a proper full project of this. So it was a bit of an offshoot. Um, and in the end, basically, I think it all it just steamrolled into, into something that turned into a full game, which they were very pleased with. And to my knowledge, I think Shigeru Miyamoto writes it very, very highly as a Zelda game. 1998, The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time.
Uh, my favorite Zelda game is the Ocarina of Time, and this is why. Uh, it has the best memories for me. It's probably the game that I have went back to over and over again more than any other. The reason that I like it so well is probably the same reason that put me off in the beginning, which was the look and the feel of uh, the early attempts of 3D gaming with Zelda. When I first looked at the game, I honestly, I am so old school, uh, <laughs> I honestly thought they ruined my game. I was so used to the look of Link to the Past, and that really worked for me. But once I was able to get over that and get into Ocarina, it really lent such a feeling of being Link that just hadn't been there before. Um, I remember going into Dodongo's Cavern and seeing the giant monster bigger than life. And, you know, and with Ocarina, the, the monsters were scary. They were, they were, they were big. They were there and something to take on. And it, uh, became a personal favorite of mine that along with the fact that ocarina was a family effort to me and my kids played the game with me and we all had our jobs my daughter read the guidebook my son was the boss killer and i did the exploring so a lot of that has to do with why i've picked it for my favorite game it was my introduction to the series it was the first Legend of Zelda game that I actually sat down and held the controller and played myself. I'd watched some friends play the earlier game, but really got into it with Link to the Past. And getting the new weapons, and then once you've got the ladder, once you've got the, the boomerang, <laughs> once you've got the boomerang, things like that, it opened up new places that you couldn't go before. And to be able to say, yeah, now I can get to this spot, or now I can get to this room, and to go there and the bomb spots with you never know what was going to be down there and going down there and finding out your prize at the end of the tunnel it, it was just such a, an exciting thing and to me the whole series is just an excellent concept and and it was well well displayed in the link to the past so i've got an n64 um, and we were basically playing games like um you know goldmine the usual lot um, and then one Christmas, sort of me and all my friends decided to get this game, Ocarina of Time, because we all read their N64 magazines at the time. We all loved it. I remember reading the reviews of Ocarina of Time and hearing that it was this amazing game. Um, so we all sort of decided to ask our parents if we could get Ocarina of Time for Christmas. Um, and I remember it must have been about three o'clock. It was just after Christmas dinner where I rung all of my friends and, and they were ringing me um, to find out where we were up to on Ocarina of Time. And, and what was great is that we all seemed to have our own highlights. I mean, there was the beautiful thing about Ocarina of Time is that everyone had their own individual part of the game that they loved. Like, so for a lot of people, it was um, entering Hyrule for the first time. Uh, there was a few people that liked the playing of the ocarina, uh, a few people when they first found their horse. For me, it was, <laughs> bizarrely, it was the fishing. 
for some reason, I was completely addicted to the fishing in that game. So um, I fell behind um, when it comes to progressing in the game compared to all my mates because I would spend a lot of my time um, going fishing and trying to find the, uh, the the biggest fish you can catch. Um, I, I got a bit obsessed with it. It was the first sort of game that felt non-linear to me it didn't feel that you had to follow a path or, or go anywhere it, you know because it was in 3d and in these beautiful environments you felt that going exploring was as fun as playing the game um so again i suppose the world felt more of a character and it sort of harked back to the first time i played Link's awakening uh, it reminded me of the first time i played uh, mario 64 and how it felt compared to the 2d mario games you know like like the Mario 64 took the 2D Mario games and I don't know it sort of exploded it and like it sounds weird but <laughs> it sounds obvious but added a new dimension to it and that's exactly what Zelda did um, it took you know the Link's Awakening and the feeling I got from playing that and, and blew it up into this fully explorable 3D world with beautiful graphics and, and, and a wonderful storyline Stand out a mechanic of Ocarina of Time that was really interesting and sort of didn't get used in any of the other ones was the child link and adult link mechanic. It kept you on your toes and kept the feeling of it kept the sort of feeling that make that you're not in control of really anything in this world and that while you think you might be doing all right as a child once you've beaten the first three temples, suddenly you become an adult. The entire world's changed, and while you can go more places and you've, you're a little bit more powerful. There's suddenly new enemies, Ganon's taken over the entire land of Hyrule, and you've got to kind of sneak about in the shadows without getting caught. Okay, well, rather than go on about the gameplay itself, which is which is obviously kind of important, but not really the main reason. Basically, uh, in 1998, uh, I went to university, and obviously the game didn't come out. Um, it wasn't released till the end of 98, although I didn't actually get hold of a copy for several weeks after that because of you know shortage problems and whatnot. And basically, I had a terrible time in my first year at university. I was living in a house with um, some people that, I, to be perfectly honest, after a couple of months, really wasn't getting a lot along with very well. One one person in particular who I guess thought that. I I was a bit sort of stuck up and I thought he was a slob so it really didn't uh, it didn't really work very well um, so I obviously you know as with all these things um, when you try to find an outlet for your, um, for your loneliness I suppose in a way so mine turned to video games I had uh, three particular titles at the time uh, Gran Turismo uh, Metal Gear Solid and most I think the one I got the most enjoyment out of, of was the Ocarina of Time it's it's hard to explain really that you know I mean obviously people go on about it, it is an, it is an absolutely amazing game there's no two ways about it but really I think for me the the principal thing that I got out of it was that I actually found myself uh, enjoying interacting with these virtual characters rather more, more so than I did with the actual people I was living with um, like, because I just I really had absolutely nothing in common with them and I thought the, the, there were characters in this in 
in the game that I thought were actually more genuine than the people I was living with, and they seemed much more honest type of people. And I just really couldn't, I couldn't hack you know, what I was, what I was, li- you know, the people I was living with. It was a real, it was a real pain in the neck for me. But uh, obviously, uh, major, you know, obviously you have you know the, the horse, Epona and all that, and uh, Link, and obviously. Uh, as I think I mentioned on the forums before, Princess Ruto had a, a flipper thing for at the time. I think, again, probably because of these characters, you could sort of associate them with real life characters. So I, I suppose, I suppose, um, in terms of her behaviour, she was sort of, you know, the kind of sort of females I was interested in. Uh, I think that's probably why. So if you ignored the fact that she had flippers and everything, uh, prob- that's probably why I found her, found her character intriguing. Probably makes me sound like some weird pervert now. I've said all this fish stuff. fetishist. Fish fetishist. So keep that in mind, girls. It's, it's not uh, all fish, just fish princesses. Fish princesses, I think, is the yeah, the key bit. Uh, as I said, it's it. it I would uh, regularly uh, sit there and play it for hours on end at, uh, in in the evening with with my headphones on, uh, connected to my sort of what, 14-inch TV because. Um, if I didn't have my headphones on, I couldn't hear anything because I'd have to turn the volume up so loud because I was in the front front room on on a road that looked out onto a road that was about as busy at four in the morning as it was at four in the afternoon in terms of traffic, so you couldn't hear anything. And I would, uh, you know, if I ever got, I remember vividly points when I got stuck in a certain uh, certain bit and I was like, I had no clue what I'm supposed to do, so I would I would turn the console, you know, save the game, turn the console off. Walk up the high street, walk up the street, uh, up into the town in uh, in Hanley. So this is I was in Stoke on Trent at the time, and um, uh, go to W. Smiths and find the game guide. And because I was a cheapskate student, <laughs> I would, uh, buy the uh, buy the guide and take it home with me. I would read it in the shop and then go, oh right, that's the solution, and then come back. How much was that guide? Was it the pre- no official idea. Prima guide? It might have. No, no, no. I think it was like in a magazine or something. It was like Smiths, so it wouldn't have been an official one. So like that. three quid. Three quid? Are you well. No, it was probably more than that, to be perfectly honest with you. But um, yeah, in 1998, I mean, that's how much of a cheapskate I was. I don't know why. I don't really know why. I don't quite know what. That, I suppose I, I had. I had money was a bit tight that that particular year. I seem to recall. Mm. Uh, so it wasn't really. A, it wasn't really something I could do. Uh, but you know, this is obviously in the days before you know. Um, you know, get you know. It's sort of information freely available on the, mm. on the internet. So uh, I remember do, doing all sorts of things like that. But for me, it was part of the enjoyment of it, really. It wasn't um, uh, anything more than that. It's just I'm not really talking about the game per se, more just the experience that I had with it. I'd played other Zelda games before, like Zelda 2 on the NES and um, uh, the Game Boy version, which the name of which escapes me. And uh, Link's and, Awakening. And uh, a, a Link to the Past, which I think was, was that the SNES version, correct? Yes. I played all I played all those, but Ocarina of Time for me was the sort of, you know, the sort of, when it all just converged and came together in just one absolutely amazing game. I mean, the subsequent titles, like Majora's Mask, I just I gave up after a couple of hours almost, really couldn't get on with the mechanics. And Wind Waker, again, I was just totally nonplussed about. And Twilight Princess, I think I played for about 45 minutes before I completely lost interest in it. But then again, the Wii, I suppose, that's an <laughs> inherent problem with the Wii, I think, more than anything. But, you know, Ocarina of Time, for me, is the, is the quintessential Zelda game, and that's definitely, uh, no, no doubt in my mind that it's the favourite uh, even taking into account the you know the circumstances in which I was playing it, so uh, yeah, that's that's I think that pretty much sums it up. I am actually. 
actually so sick of people going nuts about Ocarina of Time and asking them to re-release it because I've got like four versions and I don't want to play it anymore. Well, I say that. I, if I want to play it, I've got previous versions to go and play. I've got the N64 version. I've got the standard version that came with Wind Waker. I've got the Master Quest, the laughable Master Quest that came with Wind Waker. I even have the collector's edition that came on the disc with Majora's Mask and um, the two NES games. I've got enough. When they re- released it on a virtual console, it's like, no, enough. Stop really <laughs> releasing it. Really, people have got Having to play it. That, it, is, it, is, it is, according to Edge, it was the most important game of all time. Yes, I, I, okay, I recognise that. It is that good a game. I think I'm just a little fed up of just being... just. Well, stop buying it, then. <laughs> I know, I know. I should, well, the, the annoying thing is, as much as I bitch about this... I'm actually going rather gooey over the prospect of playing it in 3D on the 3DS. Yes. I'd rather oh. buy, I'd rather buy Ocarina of Time on the 3DS than Kid Icarus or all the other games that are actually new. I just want Ocarina again well, because I'd love to, to play it in 3D. Welcome to Nintendo's world. They know they can release it. You will buy yeah. it. And 3DS, no, I, I mean, even I'm talking about yeah, 3DS. I'm sick of restarting Ocarina over and over again. I love it. In, 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 I've only ever finished it once. I've only ever really gotten further than the Dodongo Cavern that one time as well. But I must have restarted it like five times. I've done that Deku that, tree I, I so that. many times, in, I know every curve. That I always disappoints me. The amount of people I know that hate Ocarina because they, uh, because they have to do those first two dungeons over and over again just push through it's not that difficult a game my cousin used to just do this child quest and then stop and you're missing out on the whole part where he's an adult I mean I remember when I first played it I did the three child dungeons and thought well that was a good game I enjoyed that now for the finale and then you become an adult and there's like five more dungeons you didn't know? I didn't know I did not know (laughs) Ocarina of Time was my first uh, Zelda game my first experience of the game before that, the only thing I'd ever experienced of Zelda was the Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> and I played it, and I don't know why, it just it felt right. It felt like, okay, yeah, there's three dungeons. Here we go, I'm going to go and defeat the bad guy. That was a nice game, I enjoyed that. And then I became an adult. It's like, wow, there's more. Oh, this is brilliant, I love it. And, I, just, I, and that, I just fell in love with the series there. I've got a wonderful story about Ocarina of Time. Yeah. I was... I was, um basically playing it competitively against my brother not the greatest way to play games of course (laughs) but we were in a desperate rush to see who could finish it first and we were at the time allocated a certain amount of time um, each on the console so we wouldn't actually argue over the N64 and it was a constant battle between me watching him play a bit then me jumping on and me getting just that little bit further because I now seen what he had done and it got all the way up to right to the very end and out of nowhere, and I swear this was not me, <laughs> my brother's game corrupted. The save no. corrupted. So, and I honestly thought he was going to cry. And he blamed me. He still blames me to this day that I broke his game save. Couldn't you just copy and paste your game save? But, no, so, but it's not the same. He, so he had to watch me, me finish that game. And he was like, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not finishing. He's a... F- he was a fool! Copy, paste your game and go, right, I will just carry on from there. It's not the same. It's the but same! It's, it's one of those things. <laughs> it's not... Oh. Okay, what did you do in your game that was different to what he did in his game? I don't know, it's just... It's, uh, I, all I remember is 
attempting to, to come up against bosses and stuff was that much easier because I had already seen him play through it. So it got to the point where we were sneaking off behind our parents' backs to actually play it so we would be that little bit further <laughs> and you'd come back and you're like, hang on a minute, you shouldn't be there. Um, but yeah, because I'd always have a, a, an easy route through that game to start off with because I've seen what he can, he was doing, I'd end up just getting that bit further and then get stuck myself and teaching myself how to get past certain bits mm. but that's good time that's that's what I remember from old gaming that you could still sit down on the couch with your brothers and play that kind of yeah. stuff so. The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask Majora's Mask was quite different from the other Zelda games. So whereas the other Zelda games generally have you quite linear, go from temple to temple to temple, and then the world in between didn't really matter. Here, it was all about the world. You were in an alternate reality to Hyrule from Ocarina of Time. It was a direct sequel to Ocarina of Time, and you have three days to save the world before it is crushed by the moon. And a small boy called the Skull Kid has found the Majora's Mask, which is this artifact of incredible power that can bring down the moon and is going to crush the world in three days and you had three days to save the world and that basically equated to i believe it was 72 minutes like an hour was a minute and there were spells to you know kind of extend the time or shorten the time but ultimately you had time running out there was constantly in the bottom screen a clock that was counting down to when the world would end when you get to the end of the world you have to save the game return to day one travel back in time three days and save everything you've done otherwise the world would be crushed and you lose everything um to stop the world obviously you have the usual you know dungeons and so forth you have four dungeons to go and defeat four bosses to go and defeat and you know it, it meant that the main quest wasn't quite as long as say ocarina of time twilight princess whatever but each of those dungeons were much more complex and the fact that you had this time limit really added to the tension and made made them much more intense than um, than usual and it was more than that it was everything that was in the world around it and that's really where the game began to shine Majora's Mask oh gross um who can save the world in three days I think there's nothing more frustrating than going to your little owl thing and he says would you like to save and return to the first day and oh it gave me such a feeling of dread every time i had to do that just to know that i'm back for some more repetition um there was more repetition in that game than any of the other zelda games i absolutely hated having to go through a whole process over just because i didn't complete my goal by the end of the third day so yeah if there's if there's any game in the series that i totally hated it it was probably majora's mask and the sad thing is it it could have been one of my favorites my my favorites are definitely the nintendo 64 games i love the look love the feel but yeah the three-day save the world concept not for me
have the fondest memories of Majora's Mask. Um, I, 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 Majora's Mask was the second Zelda game that I played. I got one over by Ocarina of Time, but Majora's Mask just had something different about it. It was the smallest of the kind of 3D Zelda games, but it had the biggest scope in terms of the emotional and the narrative depth. I, I can sum up why Majora's Mask was brilliant in one one term. The Bomber's Secret Society of Justice. All of the side quests were handled through this notebook that you got from five small kids who'd run around and basically interfere in other people's lives, and they'd solve problems. And all of the side quests were basically allocated to a single person in that game and you had to solve their problems within the three day span and it meant you got much more attached to the characters and therefore much more attached to the world and you just had so much of an emotional connection to this game that the moon crashing into the earth theme every time you got to the third day and the music was slowed down and the moon would be you actually worried you actually didn't want this world to die because there were so many people here that you didn't want to die the the dungeons were among the best that zelda's done i mean okay there were only four of them but they were still brilliant they were still expertly designed the idea that you had this three-day time limit added that kind of sense of tension that none of the elders other zelda games have got other zelda games you can run around a room push blocks to your heart's content here you had to you were very aware that you had to find it had to solve the um, puzzle had to defeat that boss within the time limit otherwise everything would be gone it was just it was such an amazing world i mean i the argument is, you know, yes, it was just Ocarina of Time reskin, but even then, they, they improved the graphics so much, it was by far and away one of the prettiest N64 games that I've ever seen. If you're going around the swamp, if you're up in the mountains, if you're by the sea, it was amazing. It was, it was proof that Nintendo were creating worlds that no one else at the time was creating. And as I say, just constantly coming back to the, these characters and, and learning these characters' names and histories. The the key one that obviously everyone goes on about is um, the Anju and I think it was Café, Café, his, um, their storyline. Their two storylines intertwined. They were a married couple that were due to be wedded, but he had been cursed and he'd hidden away. And you had to follow them across all three days. Theirs was the biggest side quest and you start to really care about these characters and when you first start playing if you're a fan of Ocarina Anju is just the cuckoo lady from Kakariko but the fact they gave them names and they gave them histories and they gave them you know lives you know you would you would wander around town and you'd see her wandering through town and yes it would be the same every time because obviously you're traveling through time and the three days happen in the same way groundhog style but you'd see her and you'd see her sitting on a bench and just th- they're waiting for her fiancé to turn up and he never did. You'd see the fiancé like kind of, not stalking, but kind of watching over her and trying his hardest to get back to her in time for the wedding, which was the fourth day. So many moments like that. There was the, uh, the oh, what was her name? Romani, the, the small farm girl who finds your horse. At the very beginning of the game, you, your horse is um, kidnapped and taken away from you. And you spend quite a lot of the game trying to get the horse back. When you find her on for the first time, you find her on the third day and she's been brainwashed and you have no idea what happens to her. When you go back and you find a way of opening the farm on the first day, you find her and you discover what happens to her for those three days. It was really complex storytelling for that time and that time of game they really played well with the the kind of groundhog day time travel system i mean you know, ocarina of time obviously had the two time periods the past and the present occasionally you'd have something that in the past that would affect the future here it was a much more con- concentrated scale and therefore it was just it was so much more poignant 
It was the knowledge that whatever you did today affected tomorrow. If you didn't stop that lady from being mugged on the first day, she would not be able to sell you the bomb bag that you needed on the second day. Everything you had to do you know, had, a, had a reason, had a connection, and often had a connection to another character. The overall storyline was, you know, was amazingly good. You know, it was a simple the world is going to end, you need to stop it. But slowly you start to find out why the uh, Skull Kid, who was the, the main antagonist, uh, was trying to destroy the world. And it was, he was lonely, and he had no friends, and he was bullied throughout his life. And it just made it a bit more complex than Ganondorf, yes, I just want to take over the world, because I'm evil. This guy actually had, it, there was just so many levels of emotion, there was so much feeling to the game. It was it was an amazing experience, and you have to play through it. It's still a game that I one day intend to go and complete, but I think it's the the overpowering sadness and and that incredibly melancholic soundtrack and scenario that that is the game that really stands out from the entire canon as being the one that is totally different and i i genuinely feel slightly ashamed that i've never completed it but i think it is as much as anything it's the because you know me i like i like a i like a miserable game i was the one who wanted the ending that you got in heavy rain but uh it's the 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 constant time passing thing is is an amazing mechanic but it also adds a lot of pressure whereas most of my experiences with zelda are spent sort of idly exploring and finding every nook and cranny and one thing I, I sort of already touched on but that you'll find in, in the earlier games is that well okay maybe not the earliest games because actually Zelda's kind of just freeform the original Zelda on the NES which I've, I've played since on the GameCube that you, you've really just dumped in the world and, and you can do things in whatever order it's not got the same sort of hand-holding progression as the later ones but every little secret in in the Miyamoto games tends to be there for a reason whereas uh, after he left as uh, director and became producer you, f- you find a lot more sort of bombable holes in the landscape which don't actually lead to anything much and uh, that's sort of one of his trademarks is that every secret has a has a little purpose what happened with Wii Music? <laughs> to stray somewhat from the point did you see the latest Nintendo newsletter whoa nice graphics I'd like to get my hands on that game you mean you haven't played it yet we can play it on my Nintendo Entertainment System. It's the Legend of Zelda, and it's really rad. Those creatures from Ganon are pretty bad. Octorox Tech takes levers, too. But with your help, our hero pulls through. Yeah, go, Link. Yeah, get Zelda. Awesome. Intense. The Nintendo Entertainment System. Your parents help you hook it up. The Legend of Zelda sold separately. 2002. The Legend of Zelda. The Wind Waker. only have six GameCube games, um, and Wind Waker's one of them. So, uh, I mean, I, I've had I've had 
many, many GameCube games over the years, but when I finally got rid of my GameCube and transferred everything over to the Wii, uh, I, I thought very carefully about which GameCube games I was going to keep, and I didn't even keep the Mario games, but I did keep, uh, I did keep Wind Waker, because Wind Waker is one of my, my very favorite GameCube games, and probably one of my favorite games, uh, total. I actually used it, uh, to get my, my sister, uh, into the series. Uh, she, she's never really been a, a big video gamer, uh, which is probably surprising considering that she's related to me, but she plays every once in a while, and she just locked on to Wind Waker. She loved it, uh, and now, uh, has, uh, all kinds of love for the series, and, and continues to nag me about getting her more Zelda games, so, uh, I think that, uh, that alone, uh, made it worth a lot to me. Okay, so why why do I, I like this game so much? Uh, I, I think that there's a, a few reasons. I mean, I, I like all the Zelda games. You know, they all have kind of similar, not plot lines, but similar uh, features that make them Zelda games. So, and I think that a lot of people can just automatically identify those. But what makes it different? Um, I really liked the art style, and I know a lot of people didn't. Uh, I know that you know the whole Zelda LOL thing was, was kind of a big thing, particularly when it first came out. But I actually really liked it. I thought it was different, um, and I thought that it it kind of lent a new uh, a new direction to the series. And um, I, I liked that they continued that with uh, the the DS versions, um, Phantom Hourglass, and then um, later on uh, the. Uh, the second one, whose name escapes me right now. Uh, what the hell was the second DS one? Spirit Tracks. Okay, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Continued with those. And uh, I think that uh, by putting that in there, uh, it, it just... It was really cool. It gave you something else rather than, oh, look, hey, it's another Zelda game. I'm going to go between different temples, and I'm going to get pieces of the Triforce, and I'm eventually going to rescue Zelda, and everything's going to be happy. We're going to fight Ganon. Um, but it kind of it, it kind of made it new, and I, I thought that was pretty cool. I always like the, the games where uh, the, the princess that you're rescuing isn't just kind of this pink lump in a castle somewhere that you have to go... Uh, to go dig out, um, so I liked I liked that as well. I, I liked that um, we had Zelda as a Tetra, so she kind of you know was an asset, and you know she wasn't like the main character or anything, but she wasn't she wasn't just uh, asleep somewhere kidnapped by Ganon, and uh, I, I liked that uh, that you could actually use her, you know, and and that she was kind of there for you, um, and I think that one of the big things, uh, and this is. This is something that I hadn't really considered until I started trying to think about why um, this was one of my favorite Zeldas. Um, I, I actually really liked that uh, you could use the uh, the actual baton, the Wind Waker, um, that it was like a conductor mechanic. Um, I guess that requires a little bit of backstory. I, I play a lot of instruments, and that's that's something that comes from my childhood because my mother is actually a, uh, a middle school band director. Um, so, you know, music has been like this huge part of my life forever. And, um, I, I think that popping, that, that's something you don't see. You know, when was the last time you actually went into a game that wasn't a music game and saw, you know, a, a, uh, a character with a conductor's baton and, and it was, it was a key part of the plot, you know? So, um, I, I think that, that even though it might not have been something that I went, oh man, 
conduction. This is like my favorite game now. I think that was something that just kind of made it worm its way in. Um, and, and now that I'm thinking about it, 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 that's really, that's huge. That's huge for me. Um, so I, I definitely think that that was a big factor. Um, things that I wasn't that pleased about, of, of course, of course, there's always something. Um, but I think that the biggest thing, and, and considering that I liked the conduction mechanic so much, this is maybe a little bit weird, but that's, it's, this is, this is my favorite, so deal with it. Um, I, the constant sailing. Oh boy. That, that kind of drove me crazy. And when you get the ability to kind of warp between different sectors, that's, that's a lot better. But, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that the fact that they, they picked that up and then kept it. Oh, we kept it for the DS versions because now you have to drive around on the train or you have to sail again. You know, I, I, I I don't know. I, I I think that 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 was a little bit of a downfall for me, but it, it was pretty. It was so pretty, and it looked great. And um, so, I mean, even that wasn't a complete downfall. Um, but that was, I think, one of the things that that maybe got a little old for me. Um, so it was a close race because uh, you know there's a lot of stuff that I really love about uh, a lot of Zelda titles, but I think that my favorite Zelda title definitely goes to Wind Waker. Um, at least until Skyward Sword comes out, and who knows that 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 could be different. But um, looking forward to that. But Wind Waker, all the way. Yeah, Wind Waker. When I loaded it up and first started playing, I was um, one of the people that was completely into the graphics. I thought it looked beautiful. Um, a lot of people were upset with the whole cell shading route that it went down. Um, what I was disappointed with was that um, I'd slowly started to realise that the Zelda series was becoming a template. That, um, uh, that everything you did in these games, with a slight variation was the same that you know you would start with nothing in a forest with the locals you would leave that forest to go into a place where you were warned about um you know like there's too many monsters there's too much danger out there don't go you'd go you'd find a boomerang and and it, and you'd use that boomerang and and even all the items seem to be uh, Sal in a template. First, you would get the boomerang, then you get the bow and arrow, and then all of all of a sudden the boots come into it, you know. Um, and I was really disappointed with Wind Waker. It was I, I was hoping for something a little bit fresh, a little bit new, because I'd already completed three Zelda games, um, and I didn't want to complete another one that felt exactly the same. So I didn't. I I got about halfway into Wind Waker and just thought, I know where this is going, and I, I don't want to continue. <laughs>
sure. I played Ocarina of Time just like everyone else, and uh, as previously mentioned, I played with my brother and had a fantastic time. And certainly, as other people have previously mentioned on the show, it was the first time you know this massive, believable world. Nintendo were hitting them out of the park when it came to the N64. These huge 3D environments. Sure, the PlayStation was doing this stuff. Just felt like the N64 managed to realise them better. But I've gone with the Wind Waker for a number of personal reasons. I remember going well out my way to spend an extra, I think it was like £20 at the time to buy this freeloader disc, just so I could play Zelda that much earlier. Because I was starved for content on uh, the GameCube. Really wanted to to get into like a a big, deep world. Because I still had really big, fun memories of Ocarina of Time. And I never played Majora's Mask because I was warned off it that, oh, it was very difficult and the time pressures. So that's how much I wanted it. So I remember instantaneously being grabbed on by the look, and the look is what turns most people off, strangely. I, I think yeah, a lot of people have grown to it now, but back then, people were going, what have they done to our Zelda? Because they nicknamed it Zelda. <laughs> well, if you remember Ocarina of Time, and it, it's hard to kind of look back then, because now we just see like a, you know a, a fuzzy mess. But it, it was quite a, a series of triangles. <laughs> I think it was it was a very grown you know the series almost had taken a, a grown up turn um, from being of the the 2D you know, isometric view. So a lot of people were, were a bit concerned about you know it, it was going to go back to this kind of weird childish roots. But then again, that's the beauty of Zelda. Um, it has this kind of childish fantasy to it, and I wanted for well I wanted to be swept up in this in in, in my GameCube. Uh, so yeah, I I was I was really blown away by the the visuals and and, and still am. I, I've gone back recently to play it, and out of all the other Zelda's that I played, and that's including Twilight Princess, I think it's the one that holds up the most because you know, you can get away with cell shading; it doesn't look quite as bad on SD stuff. All that said, I actually think it was a better designed game than Ocarina of Time. I, I think you know Nintendo had a very deft touch of making you know making it accessible to both kids and adults. And the music was charming, and graphically it was charming. But that isn't the reason why it's my favourite. The reason it is my favourite is the Game Boy Advance Link feature. Yes, <laughs> I was one of the few people that used the Game Boy Advance Link feature, which basically you just obviously connect the GameCube, the Game Boy up to your GameCube, and it'll bring up a mini map on the screen. And with that, you had a little guy called Tingle. <laughs> Tingle was like this little bloke fairy type thing and very very weird and, and quite annoying but by doing the Game Boy Advance feature he could actually tell you where hidden treasure was in the sea maps or he could tell you where the hidden dungeons were in the main part of the dungeons in the game so he could say no, you know, it would come up on their map and you could look down and go alright so there's actually a hidden door here that you would never have seen and you could uh, drop a bomb and blow those doors up and then move in and find secret areas and get more rubies and more health parts and different fairies to heal yourself um, now that wasn't a feature that I used by myself I wasn't sitting on the couch looking at this Game Boy Advance and, and, and kind of then looking back up the screen it was done with my yet to be wife um, she wasn't even my fiance at that point and I was sitting there on the couch with this woman that I was pretty sure at this, top, at this point that I was going to take further that you know we were actually in love we weren't just boyfriend and girlfriend that you know this was a relationship that was really going to mean something to us and there she was using Tingle on the screen dropping down bombs and killing little things in, in the Zelda world and I just remember looking around going oh this is the woman I'm going to marry look she is playing Zelda with me 
And that was a really special moment. And I don't, this is why I don't think any other Zelda will really have that for me, because this is a game from the very start to the very end. I used this Game Boy Advance feature, and there she was sitting next to me all the way through the game. And we completed it together. And it was, you know what? It, it was amazing. And a lot of people really hated the exploring of the sea and picking up the treasures. There was a, a section where you had to pick up the final few bits of the trifles actually in the sea. Um, and it was quite a laborious task. But we probably spent a good 20 or so hours traveling every single inch of that sea. And with the Game Boy Advance feature, you could find, a, you know, extra little treasures and, and drop down your anchor and pick them up. And that was, I found that fantastic and was actually upset when I eventually found everything in the world and, and had to eventually go on to take down Ganon. So that's my story. Legend of Zelda, the Minish Cap. I got this completely stuck uh, on a train journey from where I lived down to to the west coast, where I was going to to a land party for Halo Two. I actually had my Xbox, my Halo Two, and everything was on the way. And throughout the entire journey, I was trying to get through this park on on in in Zelda uh, Minish Cap, which basically. It was just, I couldn't figure out how to get past this bridge. And it turns out that what I had to do was suck out this little cobweb that was in a rolling pin section of, of, of the bridge. And when I finally did that, the whole game suddenly opened up. Now, the thing about the Minish Cap is that you actually are two sizes. You've got a full-size, uh, full-size link or a mini link. And that was the other, that was the key sort of facet of the game is that you go into areas and you see little tight little holes and little crevices and you realise that, oh, I need to be small to get to those places. So you'd shrink and then there'd be another completely, you'd be in the same place, but tiny link as opposed to big link. And so it's really inventive, amazing, very large game for a GBA game. It goes on for hours. The boss fight at the end is deeply, deeply disappointing and very frustrating and unfair. But nonetheless, uh, it doesn't um, take away from the rest of the gaming experience. If you have it and you haven't finished it or you haven't really played it, do play it. It's a fabulous, fabulous Zelda game. Uh, I think it's up there with the best of them, even if it is just a GBA. So unfortunately, it hasn't aged terribly well, so the graphics aren't up there with the best of them. It's a bit SNES-like. Other than that, if you just see past that, it, it is an excellent, excellent game. So yes... Zelda Minish Cap gets my vote as the best Zelda ever. Two thousand and six, The Legend of Zelda: Twilight Princess. What made it different was that um, there was an entirely different realm, the Twilight Realm, and Link wasn't himself in that realm whenever he was in the twilight realm 
he became a wolf. And the gameplay mechanics took a more um, platforming um, twist and more puzzle-solving twist when it was in when you were in that wolf form, which was really interesting. It kind if you've played um, Okami, you kind of get the idea of what those controls are, and even the combat felt a bit like Okami when you were in wolf form. But it was really interesting to explore the environments as a wolf because you could activate your um, your wolf senses um, and you could smell treasure underground and you could dig it up and um, you could see enemies from further away and you could see secrets that were hidden when you were in your normal Link form. Um, overall, though, from a gameplay standpoint, I think that Twilight Princess is much more polished, much more refined than all of the others. Um, I personally prefer the Wii controller. I know there's some debate, but I, I like swinging my Wii controller because I'm a sad little teenager. The puzzles were amazing. There was a bit in one temple where you had magnetic boots and you were upside down on this platform as it kept going up and that was amazing to me at the time the timing involved in doing that puzzle as well was amazing i have to admit it is very very generic zelda and that might put people off but i really think that you'd be doing this game a disservice if you just said oh it's ocarina of time with better graphics i think everyone should check it out um if you have a gamecube get it and if you have a wii get it And then come uh, the Twilight Princess, which was the next game that I played. And that was kind of the death of the series for me. Which is a shame, because I'm sure it's a wonderful game if it's the first one you've played. And it was fun while I played it, but what it killed for me was that excited feeling that I got, knowing that I was going to start this sort of epic adventure. Because it didn't feel like an epic adventure anymore. It felt like me getting a bloody boomerang and a, and a, a bow and arrow. And it... it it completely destroyed it for me. So so when Miyamoto come on stage this year at E3 and mentioned the new Zelda game, I I didn't care. And that's the first time I genuinely didn't give a shit. Uh, and that's to me, that's sad because it felt kind of lazy. So that's the Zelda series for me. How depressing. Two thousand and seven, The Legend of Zelda: The Phantom Hourglass. I enjoyed Phantom Hourglass, and uh, I enjoyed what I played so far. Spirit Did you Tractor. enjoy the Temple of the Sea King? Do you know what? I understand why people had a massive problem with Phantom Hourglass and that aspect of it in particular, 
but by later in the game that you've learned a lot of little tricks how to save time it becomes a kind of time attack game and uh, it, it becomes a place where you can hone your your skills for the rest of the game so i i wasn't as against it as as so many people i i rattled through phantom hourglass in a fortnight without really stopping for breath and uh, i loved some of the use of the touch screen in it so so i'm all for it um i'm not quite sure why i haven't played so much spirit tracks i think it's mainly because i've been playing handheld games on on ipod and iphone more this year and not carrying my ds with me so much uh, so it's it's not so much against the game as it is uh, as pro other things but again i absolutely intend to go back to it okay so my favorite zelda this is going to be uh Kind of like one of those confessionals, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. I've already admitted that in the past that, forgive me, Father, I have sinned. I have never really played a Mario game, not like all the way through. Here's the new latest revelation about Gamer Edie. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. I have never played a Zelda game, not even just not played it, not even ever picked one up. I mean, I know who Link is. And I know who Zelda is, but I just never did it. And here's why. When Zelda came out, you know, it was a big Nintendo game. When the, the, the N64 in particular came out, I was in my like first year college, second year college. I was not a gamer, was not into gaming, did not get into gaming until after I'd graduated college. So I missed out on a lot of these old titles that everybody had a lot of nostalgia about. So in many ways, I'm really looking forward to the next Zelda because it will be my first. And I think that's going to be really important when, uh, for me in particular, because it will be able to signal to people whether it's a really good Zelda game or if it's just something that makes you feel nostalgic, kind of like when Goldeneye comes out, because I was not impressed with it at E3. Sorry, I guess I should should blow that for everybody. Not impressed with the Goldeneye. So, yeah, Zelda. Uh, I'll have to let you know. How about that? Let's talk Zelda, shall we? Alright, so the question is, which is my favorite Legend of Zelda game? At first that seemed like an easy question, but then I actually sat down and thought about it, and I was shocked to find that I didn't know. I mean, I'd always just assumed that Ocarina of Time was my favorite, but then Ocarina was the first Zelda game I really sat down and played start to finish, so maybe that was just nostalgia talking, I don't know. So I decided to run a little experiment. I would go back and briefly play the key Zelda games, one by one, for an hour or so each, in the order they were released, and see how I feel about all of them now. Join me, won't you? To start, I go ahead and skip over the first two NES games, Legend of Zelda and Zelda 2. It's not that I don't like them, but I enjoy them in a different way than I do the others. I play them like I play the earliest Final Fantasy games, as a history lesson. Yeah, they're great games, they laid the foundation for the series, and the first Zelda game in particular is a landmark, but gaming has come a long way, and I probably wouldn't ever go back and play these two just for fun. I also bypassed the first handheld title, Link's Awakening. I'm certain that this one is actually excellent, but I only ever played this one on my friend's Game Boy while riding in his family car, so the game is forever linked in my mind with motion sickness. I'll give it a fair shake someday. So I jump right to candidate number one, A Link to the Past. Honestly, I'm not really expecting to pick this game out as my favorite. I've never even played it all the way through before. Like I said, Ocarina was my first. But I still want to play this one first anyway, because I want some perspective, and because it's still regarded by many as one of the best. 
And as I play the intro dungeon, I can see why. It's 2D Zelda at its finest, but I can already tell it's not going to win out as my favorite. I started loving Zelda when it entered three dimensions, and it's just not the same going back. The gameplay's there, and it's as good as ever, but the gameplay alone is not why I love the Zelda series. Which brings me right to the next game, Ocarina of Time. I try very, very hard to remain objective with this one as I started up, but I began caving to nostalgia at the first set of arpeggiato piano notes. This soft, quiet intro had been the first thing to suck me into this game way back when. This was not the title screen I'd expected, but I loved it. I knew I was in for something different. And it doesn't take long for me to identify the other reasons I'd enjoyed this Zelda game so much. The whole Zelda experience was pretty fresh and new to me, and obviously the gameplay was fun, but one of the biggest draws for me was Hyrule itself. Even though the environments are extremely simple by modern standards, to this day, I still believe in the world the game presents to me. The 2D maps from previous Zelda games felt like exactly that. Maps. Not an actual place, just a layout or a floor plan of a place. They never represented an actual living world in my mind, where things could happen. This 3D Hyrule does. It feels like a story is just waiting to happen here. And a story does happen there. It's as simple and fairly unremarkable as stories go, but there it is. For the first time, The Legend of Zelda wasn't just about completing a series of story objectives. The palace is under attack. Go find the princess. To enter the fortress, you will need three magical stones. Okay, well, admittedly, all that stuff is still in there, but there's a little more flavor layered on top of it. We get a brief introduction to Link and his life before the adventure begins. We get to explore his village and run into his neighbors. We meet his friend and have a sad goodbye when it's time to leave the forest. These are all very small and simple little touches, but they go a long way. On the whole, I find the game holds up pretty well, even now. The visuals definitely show their age, but the game is still fun to play. A strong contender for the rank of favorite, I think. Moving on, I decide to go ahead and bypass Majora's Mask, too. I, I like the game, and I've played it numerous times, but I've always enjoyed Ocarina of Time just a little bit more. The three-day cycle mechanic wasn't a deal-breaker, but it, it did always feel a like a minor inconvenience. And I never quite got as attached to Termina as I had to Hyrule. But that's probably nostalgia talking. And, like Ocarina, the game has a great soundtrack full of really, really good themes, but a lot of it was composed with harsher, sharper sounds, which were great for establishing the land of Termina as a foreign and mysterious place, but they always left me feeling strangely uncomfortable somehow. I don't know, that's probably just me. I also go ahead and skip over the two Game Boy Advance games, Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages. I just never got around to playing them. Which brings me to Wind Waker. I remember having enjoyed it, but not being blown away by the experience the first time. I figure now is as good a time as any to give it another chance. And as the title music starts, I'm immediately so happy I did. The title screen draws me in just like Ocarina of Time had over a decade ago. It feels like coming back to a beloved memory. Which is weird, because I don't remember the game leaving such a strong impression on me the first time. And now that I play it again, I can't figure out why I didn't love it. The visual style is gorgeous. I love the way the water looks. I love how much personality Link has. I love the way they faked depth of field on the in-game camera, and blurred the distant objects. The music is awesome. I wish so badly that I could play this in HD. I can't remember the last game I played that felt so charming. Looking back, I remember a few reasons I didn't completely love the game. Boating around the world was pretty fun, but changing the wind directions eventually got tiresome. And the dungeons didn't seem all that memorable, but that could just be my Ocarina of Time nostalgia again. And I do remember some of the objectives toward the end of the game just feeling like busy work. I can't recall the specifics, just 
vague memories of treasure maps, Triforce pieces, and boredom. But aside from all that, I do remember really liking some parts of this game. Discovering the fate of Old Hyrule was cool. I remember Ganondorf being particularly great in this one. I don't know, I'm torn. I adore Wind Waker's presentation, but there are still those nagging design choices and flaws that I have a hard time looking past. I put Wind Waker in the maybe pile and move on to the next game, Twilight Princess. Coming straight from Wind Waker, the game's visuals are a bit disappointing. I like the idea of what they were going for, but it sort of feels like the Wii just isn't able to do the aesthetic justice. The texture resolutions are noticeably poor in a lot of places. The world just feels a bit dull, and it's not the fault of the earthy color palette. A lot of Link's animation is stiff and lifeless too, which bugs the hell out of the animator in me. And most of the music's pretty forgettable, which is surprising for a series with some of the greatest video game themes we have. Still, there's no denying that it's good. Even for a Zelda game, it's good. Midna is an awesome character, and probably the best guide character the series has ever had. There's quite a lot of story fact in there for a Zelda game too, which is fine by me. And I suspect that if this had been my first Zelda game, it might very well be my favorite today. But after playing so many of these over the years, it's kind of hard to get quite as excited about it when this entry doesn't bring much new to the table. It probably is the best game in the series so far, honestly, but I don't know if I can bring myself to call it a favorite. And since I haven't yet had the chance to try Phantom Hourglass or Spirit Tracks, I guess here we are at the end. So which is my favorite? I still don't know. I can't decide. Each of them have aspects that I love, but Ocarina of Time is a solid classic and as nostalgic as ever to play. But almost every aspect of it has been surpassed in some way during the last decade. Wind Waker is a treat to look at, but it has a couple of design flaws that put me off. And Twilight Princess is a, basically a refined version of Ocarina of Time, but without any of the nostalgia and an occasionally lackluster presentation. I just can't decide which triumphs over the others. I begin to think that maybe I still haven't played my favorite Legend of Zelda game. Maybe my favorite is one that's yet to be made. Perhaps some future Zelda title will hit that perfect combination of design and presentation excellence and win my heart forever. And then I remember that other Zelda game I love. That Zelda game which isn't technically a Zelda game. And I think to myself, why not? And I go to the game shelf to grab Okami. It may be said in Japanese mythology, look like a living painting, and star a wolf who is also a god, but it's a Zelda game at heart. Combat, exploration, puzzles, an epic quest, dungeons, upgrades, a tiny annoying guide, it's all in there. It's fun, it's beautiful, it's the complete package. It's like this game was custom made for me. I love the setting. I love the paintbrush mechanic. I love games that ask you to take a dead, withered wasteland and restore its former beauty. And no game does that better than Okami. Whether you're reviving a single cherry blossom tree, or restoring an entire grove and setting off an explosive chain reaction of greenery, it's incredibly satisfying. And I can't understate the game's beauty, either. The Sumie painting aesthetic looks incredible. I would kill to play this game in HD. The music is gorgeous, too. It, it, everything about this game's presentation ties together so well that I'm more than willing to overlook the occasional flaw. And the game isn't perfect. Your sidekick gets pretty annoying, and he spends way more time talking than he needs to which probably wouldn't be so bad if the game would let you push through the dialogue faster. And some people may find the game too easy, but you know what? I don't care. It's not quite the perfect Zelda game, but it is close enough. And until Nintendo is able to top it, Okami is and will continue to be my favorite Legend of Zelda game. Thanks for having me. See you later. There's a very specific reason why these games come in gold boxes. 
Uh, Nintendo immediately noted with the first one that it had a special game on its hands and has since then always marketed Zelda as an event almost more than a game. Most of us, with a few notable exceptions like Ratso, first came to Zelda as kids. Uh, and our first Zelda adventure had as much of a lasting impression on us as our best ever game of cowboys and Indians, cops and robbers or whatever else we were into in the real world. Ever since then, it seems like each of us has been trying to get back to that rosy time when we had something special and new. Uh, because of their inherent similarity, each new instalment, especially the console ones, offers as a taste of what it was like the first time. It's usually pretty rare that it gets surpassed, but the formula is what charms us time and again, despite the repetitive nature of the tasks it sets us game in, game out. Just some of the hallmarks we not only expect to see, but demand to see, and feel warm and cosy when we get them. Uh, the constant fixture of Link as the hero, his lack of vocal engagement with any of the other characters, the master sword and shield, the bow, the boomerang, the hookshot, special boots, fairies in fountains and then in bottles, fishing, Link's horse, dungeons, bosses, Ganon wanted to take over Hyrule, needing the Triforce and Princess Zelda in his way. And there's something comforting about the fact that there's never any blood. Nobody ever dies but Ganon. And when the day is saved, Link will ride off into the sunset on a horse, or in some cases a boat, his job done for that generation. Our more discerning minds are at war with our instincts. Our gut tells us that this is good, and to do it as much as possible. And our minds are demanding more variety and inventiveness. So it's almost impossible for Nintendo to win. To me... Some of the best bits of Ocarina of Time, when I really thought about them, were also, ironically, some of the most frustrating. Finding a crack in the wall long before you get the bombs and having to make a mental note of it and come back later. Trying to memorise the forest path before it spat you back out. The spiralling price of magic beans. Trying repeatedly to last more than ten seconds in the fire cavern without the red suit. Losing once first to Ingo in the race to win Epona. Breaking the giant's knife after waiting so long to get it forged for you. The creep grabbing hands that deposit you all the way back at the entrance of the forest temple if they catch you. Trying to make a tricky shot with a regular arrow through a flaming torch to light the beacons in the frozen Zora cavern, and yes, the water temple. While these adventures have many familiar riffs that replay as constantly as Koji Kondo's original music, what makes them stick in our heads is the personal experiences we have with the unusual notes. It's not the deepest game series or the cleverest, certainly not the most original, but undisputedly long-standing and beloved it's almost certain to outlive most other game series not to mention everybody listening to this podcast lot of love and a lot of nostalgia for it and I, I mean you know there's going to be another you know Zelda game next year for the Wii I'm going to buy it I'm going to play it we've gotten to a point where it stagnated a bit especially after you know things like Ocarina of Time which was probably the best Zelda game that they made as a game it wasn't my favorite but it's probably the best game of the series it, you know it's felt like they're just sort of now that they're in 3D and everything they're just kind of rehashing a very similar formula over and over again. And it's great, and I love that formula, and that works for me. It could probably stand at some point to move in a little bit of a different direction, and I don't know entirely what that is. But, you know, it'd be nice to see them do something different with it. I, I kind of like that they've done the DS games in recent years, and have been a, those have been a little different take. Um, 
aside from the horrific horrific dungeon you had to keep wandering through every hour in uh, not Spirit Tracks the one before Spirit Tracks Phantom Hourglass I've lamented yes. it twice on this show already I like I mean I like that they that, that game in Spirit Tracks which I'm part way through were a little different take on the genre but to me they're not um, they're interesting but they're not why I go back to Zelda the why I go back to Zelda is those big expansive console Zelda games you know I still love them but I feel like you know somebody one day is going to do something probably not wildly different but a little different with it and it's really going to uh, bring it back for me at some point looking for a new side of Zelda and I'm a little bit nervous about what they're doing with the Master Sword. You know, from E3 last year we saw and heard rumors that maybe the Master Sword was going to take on its own personality and uh wait, what? I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah, no, you don't remember that. Oh, wow, there were leaked a talking uh, sword. Yeah, there were leaked images from the game that suggested that possibly uh, Link's guide might be the sword itself. It seemed to take on uh, feminine characteristics. Like Navi. To be fair, yeah, right. uh, Wind Waker had a talking boat that guided you around right. the universe, so right. it's not unheard I, of an animate yeah, object. And I'm just not sure I'm ready to go there with the Master Sword. You know, it's such a, it's such an icon. And and such a it has such a meaning in its own, and to bring that out and put a personality on it, it might ruin that for some people. I I don't know, but uh, I, I'm willing to see where they want to take it. But uh, one thing I do hope I hope they get over the dark look that went along with Twilight Princess. I really hated that. I have a problem with dark games anyway. <laughs> Being a survival horror fan, that sucks for me. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I hope they come back out of that look with the next game. Honestly, I would like to see them kind of blow it up and rebuild it. I, I feel like they need to do a similar thing to maybe what Retro Studios did when they took over Metroid, and now Team Ninja are kind of doing when they retake over Metroid. You know, they've reduced it to its core elements, remembered which parts of it were interesting, what people loved about the game, but mm. built an entirely new experience using those components. And to me, that would be much more exciting and would definitely get me back on board with the Zelda game. And and maybe I would actually finish one, uh, which I have not done for the past couple iterations of the series. Um, I didn't finish Phantom Hourglass because of that goddamn dungeon that I had to keep going back to. Ocarina of Time was a, such an experience for me. Like, that is what Zelda should be about. And, and it probably is for people that are playing these 
latest Zelda games for the first time. You know, I'm pretty sure there's sort of like the younger generation or the, the up and coming gamers looking at Ocarina of Time and saying, well, it looks like a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> but, but, but like are experiencing the same things that we're experiencing with, say, Twilight Princess or whatever. Um, because there's so much I remember about those games. I remember the, the bosses at the end of the levels being a, an event and not a frustration you know and when you think about on game think back to games that you played when you were younger bosses just seem like a, a pain in the ass. where in uh ocarina of time they just seemed wonderful they seem like a like an event like a real sort of like the one that sticks out in my mind is uh, uh are the witches the two was it two witches three was there three witches standing in the middle of this platform while they flew around you and they were interacting with each other and it they were arguing with each other while attacking you and stuff and it, it felt like more like a Disney film than it did a video game and to me that that sort of that's the sort of shit that sort of sticks in your mind you know not uh, not just a, a, a weak little uh, like a, a end of level boss with a weak point that you attack it felt that you were using all your items that you had in your inventory that you built up throughout the um, adventure and you were using them against this this big event do you remember how creepy that one that uh, Ganon on the horse was coming out of the pictures yeah was that the last one I think that was actually a mid boss it, was, uh, it wasn't anywhere near the end of the game uh, there is there is one on a horse at the end that I remember I think it's a mid boss on the forest temple and then uh, he does turn up I think he has a horse at the end or something but uh, yeah don't they bring a few back at the end don't they mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that was it's, really it's because it's like you're looking at a picture and then there's nothing in it and then you look at another picture and then you can see him galloping out of it you're like oh shit yeah it did some wonderful things like that and that's the beauty about Nintendo like as I say, I, I compare Ocarina of Time with Mario 64. Mm. It's one of those games that you look at and you think... Like, Mario 64 was, like, the first real 3D platformer, right? Uh, Tomb Raider uh, says hi. Yeah, I, sure, but not in that sort of arcade... I don't want to say arcade but the sort of home It was console. the first really good, well-developed one where... Yeah, I wouldn't... I wouldn't control. The control of your character was absolutely crucial. Yeah, I always said when... Uh, as, even though I did smugly just mention Tomb Raider there, I always hated the jumping mechanics in the first Tomb Raider. But when you were, like, just... With a little flick of the stick, bouncing off walls and doing triple jumps with uh, Marriott, it felt like a joy as opposed to... Running. ...wrestling with this horrible blocky yeah, geometry. I mean, you could never compare Tomb Raider to a platform platformer a 2d platformer can you like when 2d platformers were about like mario or sonic or any of that shit mm. you could never compare tomb raider to that but you could mario 64 because mm. the sort of flowing character uh, as he was running and jumping from platform to platform off of enemies this that, and the other um uh, to get the control right is is quite a feat in itself because mm. it's the first of its kind mm. but to get the levels right and the sound right and everything else that goes with it just spot on oh, you look at Nintendo you're making me want to play Ocarina again you exactly. bastard you're geniuses and it's the same with Ocarina of Time because you look at that and you think fucking hell like how have you created this for the first time how have you created a 3D Zelda and for it to be so perfect like a 3D Zelda is, is a big enough task as it is but to make it so perfect so beautiful it, it blows my mind you know and, and that's where Nintendo uh, really um, really do surprise me. I just wish they could do it again mm. um, with the new generation, move. you know? I wish they could 
take that next step, but they don't seem to be able to get out of that at the moment, um, which is a damn shame. Our, our Phantom Hourglass was good, but again, with Phantom Hourglass, I started it. I was like, this is full of charm and 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 wonder, and oh, I need a boomerang. <laughs> and, then, and I was like, well, I'm going to turn that off and play something else. Go back, Temple of the Sea King. Yeah, it's sad, isn't it? Because, um, because I, I think it can be more, and it, maybe it should have been about two or three games ago. Mm. But maybe, maybe Nintendo. Um, to defend well, them a little bit maybe they're worried about changing it don't you think that they're putting all their eggs into motion control for the new Zelda you know you, you can move the shield and the sword swipe down the sword that's what they see as the next uh, evolution of Zelda it's not you I, know, reinvented I, I the they, wheel I don't think they do I think I think Nintendo see that more as a way exhausting. to make it more accessible a way to sort of try and get um, everyone playing Zelda and not everyone will want to play Zelda, and the people that love Zelda will want to try something different. Not not waving my fucking arm about <laughs> again. <laughs> oh. Nintendo's in a rut in regards to its IP. The fact that it's digging through its SNES and NES past is somewhat worrying. Not that it's you know, we're going to have a great, great version of Kid Icarus. Okay, yes, I saw it. And it looks fantastic. I mean, the 3DS is not a, three, uh, a DS in the traditional sense. It's actually more than that. It's more like a PSP. So, you know, graphically it looks fabulous. But good Lord, Kid Icarus, we have something new, please. And uh, the, the new uh, Zelda is, you know, they, they've, they've been milking that franchise for... I don't know, 20, 20, 25 years, and it's not going to give it up, and it still sells like hotcakes, so if it isn't broke, why fix it? But you can only take that so far, can't you? Can't you? I don't know. So, it's just... Familiarity breeds contempt. There it is. I think the problem with the Zelda series at the moment is, I'm going to be perfectly honest, the fans. Nintendo have tried, with Majora's Mask, you know, case in point, to do things differently, to try and shake up the series formula, to try and do things different and advance the series. Every time they do, people complain. People complain that Majora's Mask didn't feel quite like a Zelda title. It was too short. They released Wind Waker. Wind Waker was this epic Zelda adventure. It was completely different to Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time because people were complaining that Majora's Mask was too similar to Ocarina. Had a completely different world, completely different setup. And people complained because, well, it just didn't feel like Zelda and the graphics were wrong and it it wasn't right. The dungeons were a bit, you know, there weren't enough of them, etc. Then they moved on to Twilight Princess and they went straight back to everything that made Ocarina amazing. This big world, this realistic graphic style, these epic, you know, huge amounts of epic dungeons where there's loads of puzzles and loads of bosses. And people complained because it was too stale and too much like what had come before. And now, and, and they missed the cell shading, and lo and behold, we've got Skyward Sword has got a sort of cell shading angle to it. 
it's the fact that the fans are never satisfied with a Zelda, despite the fact that they absolutely love them. They love it. They lap up any any Zelda they can find, and they always complain that it's not as good as previous ones. Um, but no, I don't. I don't think they're going wrong. I just think it's that same thing that every long-running series has, which is that it's very difficult, even more so than with Mario, because he's by nature more in a more fantastical world. Which sounds crazy because obviously Zelda is myth and legend, but it kind of it has more defined rules than than, than Mario, and uh, mm. and it's very difficult to, as I say, difficult to change them without upsetting people, but difficult to stay the same without boring people. The thing that stands out about the Zelda franchise for me is that similarities actually to Mario. Now, where this actually differs, Mario seems to be more inclined to take risks. You know, it, if you look at Galaxy, say, to um, you know, Mario 64, it's very different. If you look at Mario 64 to Mario 3, it's very different. If you look at Mario 3 to the original Mario, very different. Mm, mm. I think some of the style on this comes from Zelda, that it's, it's so comfortable in its world it produces us. Yes, you know, the dungeons have different settings but they all feel uniquely familiar Mm. Um, by collecting you know you could say well you're just collecting stars all the same Um, but it feels more so in Zelda and all I'm really looking from Zelda now is you know Twilight Princess I think was probably the limit of where they could take the franchise in its current form I'm looking now for Zelda to do something like Galaxy did um, just completely reimagine um, you know, a famous character, and, and still give him the same same traits. You know, Mario didn't stop collecting stars. He didn't stop rescuing the princess from Bowser, and he certainly didn't um, stop jumping on Goomba's heads. And I, I don't really expect that to the same thing to stop um, Zelda from having. You know, I don't stop him to having necessarily having, you know, um, the hook shot. And I don't expect him to, to stop, you know, having the, the boomerang and the and the arrow. But I do expect the environments to be different enough from want, want me to come back to something original and it stopped being original uh, I think the light and dark settings on Twilight Princess was a nice, nice idea and Christ you even turn into a wolf at some points Zelda is a franchise that everybody should play now the question is which one do you play because I, 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 uh, what most people have said here is it was my first Zelda. I've been slightly different saying that Wind Waker was my second, but that was a lot more for, for personal reasons. But the one I actually do remember having a, a lot more impact in GameStar was Ocarina of Time. And I think these worlds are utterly enchanting for first-time players. And you know, if, if you were going to introduce any kind of RPG elements to a child, I think Zelda would be the perfect place to start because you know it's nice, easy, and you do get wrapped up in the story.
Now, I'm willing to bet that if you've got this far, you probably want to play at least one Zelda game that you haven't gotten into yet. And if you own a Nintendo Wii, then you're in luck, because the first games are all available on Virtual Console. That's The Legend of Zelda and The Adventure of Link on the NES, A Link to the Past on the SNES, The Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask on the N64. You can also play the GameCube versions of The Wind Waker, Four Swords Adventures, and The Twilight Princess through your Wii. If you prefer Wii controls to a joypad, then there's that version of Twilight Princess, as well as Link's crossbow training. And if you have a DS, then you can play Phantom Hourglass or Spirit Tracks on that. The rest will require hunting down on eBay. There's Link's Awakening on the original Game Boy, which should also play on the Game Boy Advance, Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons for Game Boy Color, Four Swords and the Minish Cap for Game Boy Advance, which will also play on DS Lite, but not DSi. And if you're into complete collections, retro games, or self-harm, then track down the Philips CDI non-Nintendo, non-canon, nonsensical games, The Faces of Evil, The Wand of Gamelon, and Zelda's Adventure. That was the Digital Cowboys episode 164, Legends of Zelda, and many thanks to everyone who contributed to this epic endeavor. I'm Dan Ilson. You may have heard of me. I'm from the internet. My name's Capone Adam. I'm Leon Ratso-Cox from Gamerdork. Dits here from the Gamer Scene. Alex Shaw, Digital Cowboys. My name is Luke Carson, also known as Caffeine Warrior. Uh, I'm Mike Phillips from the Fanboys Lunchcast. Hi, my name's Ryan Ashley from Ruffian Games. I'm Shell from the Pink and Deadly Podcast. Paul Shotton, uh, a.k.a. Plex Shaw on the forums. Used to be also a co-host on the show. Tony Atkins, Digital Cowboys. I'm James Batchelor and I'm one of the hosts at Gameburst. I'm Leah Haydu. My site is someotherCastle.com. Uh, hi, this is uh, David Turners from Joypod. Hi, I'm Roy42 from the Digital Cowboys forum. Hello, this is Chris O'Regan from the Super Happy Fun Time Show. I'm Joshua Garrity, also known as Combine Hunter. Gamer Edie from GameHounds. Daniel Floyd here from the recently retitled show, Extra Credit. Tony and I will see you in two weeks. Happy trails. Thank you.